Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with filmmaker Emily Cohn about her debut feature, Crushed. That's coming up on Endeavors. You're listening to Endeavors Radio with your host from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Dan McKee. Well, hey again. Welcome back. Uh, sorry there is no show Monday. I had a few things happen. Things got canceled, uh, moved around. So this is our only show this week. Uh, but I will be back with two next week. And I'm really excited about today because, in a way, it ties together two or three three different aspects of my creative life. Um, this isn't something I talk a lot about uh, on the podcast, but uh, one of the things that I do uh, in my spare time pre-lockdown is karaoke. Uh, there's a couple of places I go to in Toronto when I do it, I don't know, about twice a week or so for the past year and a half. And it's funny because... Even in lockdown, um, one of our hosts, the great Scotty Newlands, a.k.a. Mr. Karaoke, uh, has created a virtual homeoki, so I can partake, even from the comfort in Victoria here, and have made uh, several new friends and acquaintances, even if uh, it's just digitally. Anyway, one of my go-to songs, one of the songs that I enjoy singing a lot, uh, is Walkin' in Memphis by Mark Cohn. Uh, it was a big hit uh, in 1990, I want to say it came out, early 90s, that area. Uh, it was covered by Cher, uh, among a couple of other artists, but Mark Cohn is the original uh, singer-songwriter of that song. And... I bring this up because his daughter, Emily, is actually my guest today. Uh, she is a filmmaker who recently wrote and directed her first feature, Crushed, um, which was created initially, uh, as in the sort of the, the genesis of the screenplay, was created um, from her time studying at Oberlin College uh, in Toronto. She wrote it back in 2016. Um, and in fact, it, it was shot in Ohio, kind of in in the same area, and a lot of her collaborators on the film were people that she went to school with at Oberlin, whether they were behind the scenes, in front of the camera, et cetera, et cetera. And what I also really like about this film is the fact that it was, you know, everyone took on multiple jobs. If you read through the credits, um, you know, a lot of the supporting actors acted as drivers, uh, one of the actors, Isabel... Uh, was also doing a lot of hair and makeup. Uh, so it just shows how uh, people are re really truly willing to, to come together to create something great. It's be, you know, and I, I talk about this in the interview a little bit, that how in the, in the last few years I've noticed that we've seen a resurgence, I guess, of, you know, films about female sexuality. You've got blockers, book smart, and they're, they're done really well, really well crafted, and I think 
portray a it's it's, it's a very accurate portrayal of sort of young female millennial desire on you know what that entails and looking at that and I want to add crush to that list um I actually think this might be the favorite film or my favorite film that I've seen this year um the script is incredibly witty full of humor but it's also it's got a very distinct aesthetic um, that we actually go into a little bit. Each of the characters, the three leads, you know, have have their own sort of color scheme and visual background and text conversations are personified and have their own filmic reality. There's a lot of very accurate language and use of internet slang and emojis, which I really appreciate because it's just it's different, and it, and it creates this world that I think is very vivid and, and very relatable. Um, I also... I actually think this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done recently as well. You know, you always critique yourself, and I feel like, oh, I could have asked that question better, or, you know, I could have found ways to, to draw it out longer or, or word things better, but I think... Just because of Emily's personality, you know, it, it created just a super kind of laid back and and conversational uh, sort of environment, which I really enjoy. Because sometimes I I feel like I can come off a bit too stunted, a bit too formal, and it's funny because you know both before and after uh, taping we. We talked a little about film and, you know, different projects that we're working on. And it, you know, it's funny. I always wonder if, you know, conversations like these can lead to our, our paths crossing in, in, in some way uh, in, in the film world in the future. Anyway, that's enough of me and my rambling. I don't necessarily come to listen to these to hear me. So I'm going to shut up now, and here is my conversation with Emily Cohn. Emily Cohn, hello, welcome. How are you today? I'm I'm good. I'm as good as I guess we can all be right now, right? How's a uh, How's the lockdown in in New York? It's my my. I live with my mom. So she like said something like yesterday, she was like, can you believe it's been seven weeks? And I was like, no, it's like time. The first two weeks felt like three years. And now it's just like, I don't even know. Yeah. You know, I hear you. We're all, we're all getting a little bit restless. I, I mean, as, as an artist, how are you coping? Are you one of those artists that is indoors a lot of the time? Or do you need to be out there doing things? That's an interesting question. Um, no, my life was not, but I, I mean, I do so many different freelance jobs that everything that I had set up was, it was no longer happening. But then I just got an editing job and then I also write a lot. So 
and I have, I'm, you know, I'm doing like virtual stuff for the crush release, which is really exciting. So I'm busier than ever, which is, uh, you know, a very nice way of escaping everything. You know, this is your first film in, in your first feature. And how do you feel about not being able to promote it in person, but having to do everything from a bit of a distance? I guess I feel really lucky that I, I got all, I got through the whole festival run of it, which was like so fun. You know, I got like free travel. I got to go to Munich and I never ever would have thought that that would have happened from this movie. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with the fact that all of this is happening remotely because I don't think, I don't know how much in-person stuff I would be doing, but maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've never done this before. So it's cool to do it remotely for now. Uh, yeah, so the, so the film is crushed. Um, I, I got to see most of it before we started. Um, I, I read in the description that this was somewhat based on, on your college experience or, or, you know, at least people that you knew. Where, where did the idea come for to, to make this a movie? Yeah, it was definitely, I wouldn't, like, this story is not, like, a true story or anything, but all the, it's based on, you know, it's an amalgamation of all the experiences that I had while I was at college in Ohio. Um, and the real inspiration was I was a creative writing major, um, and so my senior year, the curriculum for the screenwriting class that a lovely teacher named Dan Sean was teaching, um, it was really just write a feature, and so all of us had to write a feature. And this is what I wrote. And he was like, you know, you should, he knew that I had done production before. I'd been doing different production jobs since, you know, I was 15. Um, he was like, you should just make it. It's, it's set here. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and then I just, you know, I was like, whatever happened, I was going to do it in some way. So it was, yeah, I mean, it took a lot to get it made and finished. But yeah, that was the start of it. Making your first feature can be daunting, and directing is a whole other world compared to a lot of other uh, per production jobs. Uh, what was what was the most interesting thing you found about the world of directing, and how you compare it to the other work that you've done in, in film and writing? Uh, I think the the thing that I find most fun about it is that you just get to work with so many other people who are so creative. And when I watch Crushed or like anytime I'm, I just rewatched it to do, you know, director's commentary for the DVD, which is a funny thing for me, but it was just, it's such a team effort and everyone is working together, but I just had so much fun, like, you know, with the production designer figuring out the scroll for like Instagram. And then one of our cast members wrote uh, the song that the band, the fake band in the movie plays. And that's, that's the most fun of it for me. And I loved casting. I really loved casting. Um, I didn't know most of the people who were in it, almost any of them before the movie. So a lot of people watch it and they think that it was all my best friends, but it it wasn't. <laughs> you, you mentioned the music and I wanted to talk about the soundtrack because I was hooked by the opening song um, or orgasmic or orgasmic. Or Gasm it's called Otron, but yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, Otron. Um, and I think that really sets the tone. What sort of, how much did the music that you're looking at play into your overall style and aesthetic of the film? It, I, it's definitely a very music heavy movie. And I like that. I mean, part of 
what drew me to filmmaking first was music videos. Um, and it was, yeah, that, that song and then everything, it was really like sort of this trying to get the vibe of what the college experience was like and a lot of the music, like more than, I'd say more than 80% of the songs are from, you know, young musicians, a lot of whom I know who are, you know, who are just graduating from college or in college. So it, it feeds into the world of it, I think. The other thing that struck me about the, the aesthetic and the tone was the certain almost color scheme of, of the film. Um, how much of that was planned and, and how much of that came out in production versus post? It was, the color scheme was pretty well planned. I'm not synesthetic, but I do, I do tend to associate colors with people or like, I don't know why. And I, that is how these characters, like for when people watch it, um, mm. they each have a color for me. And then the party, so like Izzy is pink, Fiona is yellow and Anuka is purple. And then the party is red, but everything is happening in this blue house it's called Big Blue. So, and we always wanted it to be pretty colorful, um, the world of it. And then like the lighting to represent different apps. And so like the different apps all have different color schemes. Um, so that was pretty planned out. I will say, the movie was made in post. Like we changed so much. So the color scheme is one thing that was planned, but a lot of other things were not. You know, I, I definitely think we're starting to see uh, a resurgence of films about female sexuality by female directors uh, and young female directors too. Uh, for you as someone who told the story, what, what weren't you seeing in, in how that world was portrayed? That, that you wanted to do? Yeah, the main thing, and I will say, I, so I wrote this in 2016, which was before Blockers or, um, you know, uh, Booksmart came out, which are, those are both great. And I was so happy to see them. Um, so at that point it was really like, there was way more of a void. Um, and the biggest thing that I wanted to see was women and then also young people using technology in a way that was fun. Because I do feel like, by and large, whether it's young people or not, like so many movies just try really hard to ignore our phones, which I understand because it's not very fun to watch someone type. Um, so that was like the biggest thing that I went in, like really excited about. Uh, you know, you mentioned technology, and this film is about dating in the way. Um, this idea of, of dating in, in the digital age, whether it's, you know, like Tinder, which is mentioned, or, or, or Facebook or, or Instagram. How, how much of being online is affecting our social interactions, do you think? Mm, I don't know. I guess, I don't think it negatively impacts our interactions, honestly. I mean, I know, like, m almost all of my friends who are in serious relationships, like, almost all of them met on dating apps. Um, I think what it affects probably is our maybe our ability to be like present when we're with people in real life. But now it's like, thank God for technology because yeah. what would we do? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was reading something about that film, um, eighth grade where they switched yeah. from uh, Facebook to Instagram because Instagram was more relevant, you know, and, and now it's sort of uh, a TikTok, although that, that wouldn't have been around uh, when you made the film. Where do you think, you know, in, considering the current situation that we're in, where do you think 
communicating through technology is going to go within the next two or three years? I mean, I wonder, this is a very basic thing, and maybe, maybe people were doing this more, I wasn't personally, but I think we're all going to maybe be FaceTiming more now because of this, because now we're getting used to that instead of a phone call. Um, I had talked to a friend who was telling me like, every, like workplaces, this was my, my friend telling me this like five years ago, because I guess her dad works in some technology sector that I can't remember, but she was like, we're all going to be working in VR offices. No one's going to go into the office. Like we're all going to have our VR headsets if we need to check in. I don't like that idea though. I, I still think we're going to want in-person things, but sorry, I don't know if that really answers the question well. Yeah. Well, and you know, how does what we're going through right now, how do you think it changes the film industry, how we make art and how we consume art? I mean, how we make art, I think we're, it's going to be, I've read all those articles that are like predicting what film sets are going to look like. I definitely think animation is going to be, or already has been way more in demand. Um, uh, yeah, I think sanitation will be good. Like the craft service table, people aren't going to be, you know, picking into it. Um, how we consume art, I hope movie theaters stay open. I think we're still going to want that communal experience. I hope everyone, I feel like there have been so many points where people are like, this is the death of movie theaters. And I don't know, at least in New York, I, the last five years, we've had so many small independent theaters open. So I don't want to see those go away. Yeah. Another thing I noticed about this film is there's a certain language that I think uh, this generation uses. Um, how much of that came from your own personal experience and how much sort of came from you researching and writing this? So I would say none of it was research, which if I was to make it now, I would probably have to do research. And I hope that it was, I, I told you that I was in Toronto recently because we, we screened at TIFF Next Wave, which everyone it was like you know the whole audience was under 25 and everyone was like I got a question and someone was like it was just so nice to hear like you know soft boys and like see or seeing like soft boys and e-boys and like these sort of classifications like actually in you know a, a movie because they're usually not um so none of it was research uh and yeah, it was all it was all stuff that I had experienced. We did have, and our our whole cast and crew was under twenty two, so our characters were also improving and like they were part of that world, so they brought their own lingo that they were using too. In in your experience, how much of these millennial and and college stereotypes that are in the film are actually true in real life? The ones that are in Crushed. Yeah. Oh, I think they're very true. Um, you, you mentioned you were just in Toronto, um, and that's become a real hotbed, especially for, for new, um, like new independent cinema. Um, what, what did you like about screening your film in that city? It was, I mean, even just like the, the TIFF, Bell, Lightbox, like theater, the whole thing was just so magical. And like, it, it just felt like, there's really the space to like screen and talk about movies and um especially that the, that specific festival was a very young um demographic which yeah the whole thing it felt like a a more romantic new york maybe because it's more intimate 
let's talk about the character of Izzy, uh, who's the, the lead character uh, in, in the film. Um, how much of what we see of her on the screen, how much of that was, was written out in, in your first draft? Um, I know the actresses did a lot of improv. How different was your central character from when you first started writing it to actually when you went into production? The characters, so the actual structure of the story changed, but the heart of the characters was always pretty consistent. Um, I actually have like, there's a notebook that I had when I was like going into production and I did these little doodles of the characters and I explained like, I, like a little, like little snippets. And I looked back at that recently and I was like, this is, it's exactly the same. And like, obviously the actors, the three lead actors really brought like all that to life. Um, so I would say, yeah, she was pretty, pretty much the same from, from the first script. Yeah. Was there something specific you think that you were trying to say with, with the three lead characters? The thing that I was trying to say with the three lead characters is actually what I was hoping to say with all of the characters. And I actually think I watched Booksmart and I was like, they, she did, Olivia Wilde did a really good job of this too, which is just that um, no matter how confident any of us seem on our exteriors, we all have something that we're self-conscious about. And then in Crushed, it was also that layer of how we appear on social media only helps fuel this unrealistic, um, you know, viewpoint that other people or like lens that other people have about us. So that's kind of what I wanted to show with all of them is we all have that vulnerable self-conscious side somewhere. What do you, what do you think is the biggest insecurity uh, facing younger millennials and then older Gen Z these days? Is it image? Is it finance? Is there something else you think? Uh, I think it's hard to make like a general, you know, sweeping generalization. I feel like we all have such different, I mean, the the one thing that we probably all have in common is just going into like comparison mode when you see everyone showing them their best selves online. So that I, I would say that's like a big that would be the generalization I would make. But otherwise, yeah, it's it's hard to say. Uh, fashion, in in a way, and accessories also play uh, a big part uh, in this film. How how important was look and style and image um, from from your college days? It was really important and it was important in like, there's just so much performance to it. And especially at these smaller liberal arts schools um, or maybe anywhere, I don't know. It's just, there's such like a, I didn't try hard kind of thing. And thrift stores are like the, the best, I don't know. It's, it was very important. I just remember our, costume makeup designer Ruthie Lewis like she put together this like amazing powerpoint um just of like makeup and like Instagram and like uh yeah different uh, different friends that she had had you know from college and everything uh yeah so trying to get that the realism there one of my favorite moments is the conversation that happens between uh, Anushka and Rex uh, outside of the party where, where Rex is sort of talking about himself. And it struck me that that was a, almost a specific reference to to gender roles that we have uh, in, in today's society. Um, where do you think we are in terms of 
that conversation about dismantling gender and, and, and what that all means? Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah. Um, there's a, con oh there's a conversation between Rex and Anusha where Rex is sort of like, oh, I guess it's my, you know, my, my yeah. privileged middle-class self, whatever, whatever. Um, and it strikes me that we're having more and more conversation about gender roles and what it means to be male or female or, or this and that, either physically or, or mentally. Um, as someone who, who wrote that scene, where do you feel we are in, in having that conversation and, and what gender means or what gender doesn't mean anymore? I think it's good that we're having the conversations more, um, but I guess the ideal scenario would be, it's not, maybe, I don't know. I'm like, it's fun to like not have to talk about it, you know? But I, I do think, especially in terms of, you know, we had trans people and, you know, or non-binary, like both in the, in the cast and crew, um, that's, and that was just, that's normal. That's like, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, non-binary trans or, you know, queer and gender queer. Um, so that's just, it's like normal, but it's, it's nice to obviously then like have more of an effort made at being more inclusive um, for anyone who is not familiar with people who don't fall into like, you know, female bodied, male bodied. Um, yeah. So I was also happy to hopefully show some of that in the movie too, even though it's not, we don't have a central character who's dealing with um, gender identity. Uh, yeah. Another thing that really struck me was the, um, or Izzy's interest anyway in astronomy and sort of the, the astronomy narratives that happens. I'm curious why you picked that subject. Was it to do with sort of how astronomy is almost a, a metaphor for life and sort of the, the evolution of, of how we live in a way? I think it's more, especially when you're, or when, like, I don't think you've gotten to this point in the movie yet, but she says, like, you know, I try, Izzy has, like, a, a big, like, monologue moment, and one of her lines is, like, you know, I try not to think about it too much, um, because other things are more important, but just, like, the, the way that we are all so small, and any, any one person's problems, like, you don't want to discount your own, like, whatever you're going through, but also having that perspective, and especially when you're in this, like, college bubble where everything is, like, so heightened, and you can't escape anyone, um, which is really overwhelming, and having that, like, release and that awareness of, wow, we are, we are just these tiny, tiny creatures in this, like, vast universe um, is humbling, and I'd taken astronomy, and I've always you know, I loved math and science in high school. Um, and I thought I was going to be a computer science major in college. Um, so I liked having the character be sort of obsessed with those, that, that subject matter. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned math and science because of course your father's a musician, but your great grandfather was this crazy inventor, um, Rube Goldberg. Um, your research. <laughs> and, uh, you know, having, having sort of those two, things, you know, and you're, you're, you're the confluence of them. Do you think that it was, was it always inevitable you were, you were going to be an artist? Do you think? It's so funny. My mom is, she just asked me if I wanted to like participate in, she, there's some like art summit in Chicago and like 
she was going to be doing a talk there and you know she didn't want to do the same talk that she always does and she is proposing to do uh, a talk on like like creativity and family or like genetic like you know inheriting creativity that kind of thing because my brother's also he's a comedy writer um a musician uh but i also think that there was part of me that i was like really uh happy with the fact that i was good at math and science to be like rebellious from the creative side of things but i've always been happiest being creative and i'm lucky enough to have parents who if i said i was gonna be a doctor they'd be like how would that work versus saying that I want to be a filmmaker it's like great you know <laughs> which is not the case for everyone well you know I'm just curious with with your love of science and, and with the sort of you know math, math and science background in, in your family I'm curious is if you find because of your interest in that and because you're of your skill that 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 you work in in a specific way either in how you direct or in setting out your scenes or your shot list or, or or your story do you find that you're perhaps a little more technical than maybe some of your other artist friends in that regard yes i think you know i've anytime i've helped when i was helping other friends uh making films i'm always the one who's like I do have, I have like a very intense like producer's mind. So when I'm directing, I think I'm also really thinking logistically about things. Um, so maybe that that's where that comes from and like spreadsheets and yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, get, given that this film is so music heavy, um, was there ever a thought about including your dad in it at all? He does have a song in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does have one of his songs in it. It's, you, you can't really notice it. Uh, and his voice, I actually, I initially, I wanted to get Neil deGrasse Tyson to do the voiceover, which was hard, <laughs> if not right. impossible. Um, <laughs> so my dad is the astronomy voiceover. Oh, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I know your dad's voice, but I didn't, I didn't really... I, it's, I guess it's just not something that we, that we would thought of, well, right? people would know his singing voice maybe better than his talking voice. Right. Um, but yeah, on, on that note, what was it like working with close family in, in that regard? Well, my mo so my mom is one of the producers, which she's a badass lady. She, you know, <laughs> time off work and was making, she did craft services and was really just like the set mom, um, which was very important since it was, you know, I mean, any any filming, especially an indie film in like 100 degree heat in Ohio, um, it was it was rough. So it was, it was good to have her there and that warm presence for everyone. Um, I barely saw her, but everyone else saw her a lot. <laughs> um, and then my dad wasn't really involved in movie I mean, uh, yeah he he came in for like an hour to do the ADR um, and has been supportive otherwise obviously and then I I did a music video for him two months ago three months ago so that was more of an intense collaboration uh, than crush necessarily but we're I mean my house my mom me and my mom my brother like we're always I read they read everything I write I read everything they write um, 
you know, we're, we're all very opinionated and honest, which is helpful because you need, you need real feedback. You don't want someone to tell you something's good all the time. That doesn't help you. Um, so yeah, it's natural for me to, to have that kind of relationship with my family. Um, I know that the, the film was sort of an amalgamation of everything, but if you had to, if you had to compare yourself to one character in the film, who, who was most like you, do you think? I mean, it would be Izzy. It would be Izzy. Yeah. Yeah. But I, there are elements of me in all the characters and there are elements of all my friends and all the characters. There's no, no one person is one person though. Like I had one of my high school friends, her boyfriend came to see one of the first screenings and he was like, that character was you. And she was like, no, it isn't. Um, and then I had a, a middle school teacher who was like, oh, I'm like, who thought I was more Fiona. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of hilarious moments and, and scenes in the film. Um, is there one hilarious or embarrassing or, or funny moment during filming that sticks out for you? There were so many. There were there were really so many. I think the biggest one, well, just like from, yeah, uh, Will Janowitz, who plays Tony, that's one person who I did know beforehand. He's like an older brother figure to me. Um, he did a lot of improvising and like that, our DP like literally had to look away when he was doing this one scene because she was laughing and like none of us, none of us could keep it together. And I mean, yeah, people, yeah, it's so that, that's that. But then I mean, besides that, there are also just like funny anecdotes from filming, just like, you know, stupid stuff that happened, but yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, you did your dad's music video, you do a lot of editing and, and, and freelance work, uh, so to speak. Um, What's it like for you either directing something or working on something that you that you didn't necessarily create from scratch that you, you know that that sort of other people also maybe had more of a direct hand in in creating the thing and you sort of came in and steered the ship. Yeah, I mean I haven't I haven't technically I mean I haven't had I'm trying to think. I don't think I've had any like, you know, open directing assignments. I've I've pitched for them, um, but I haven't actually had one yet, I don't think. Now I'm like, so I like think back on like what I did this year, and like I can't even remember doing that, and that's not good. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I, lo I, I love collaborating with people. Like I said about, you know, the, the joy of directing is getting to collaborate with all these creative people. And I've helped out, not as a director, but like I help out on all these other sets. Um, I love it. I think, I think the more people you have involved, the better the product is going to be as long as the person at the helm is open to the collaboration or the feedback. Um, yeah. So I, I like it. I think it's great. And I love doing music videos. How much do you think the industry has changed within the last five years? Cause we're, we're seeing a lot, a lot of different styles, a lot of different ways in which films are made, whether it's through collaboration or just how, how it's shot. Um, from your experience, what changes are you noticing? I, the biggest thing I'm noticing, just especially with, I guess, maybe this is just from my, you know, point of view and like the festival circuit, but just the ability that more people are having to make their first features, their pilots um, with, you know, you got to have a lot of, a lot of passion, a lot of 
commitment. Um, but I think the barrier for entry is getting, you know, easier, um, hopefully. And then, you know, just initiatives for women, queer people of color, like filmmakers, um, is really great to see. You know, especially in the time they're living in, do you think we're going to see more of that? You know, there's a lot of artist relief funds out there. There's a lot of LGBTQ relief funds out there. Do you think this is only going to have a positive impact on how we move forward in the industry? COVID or? Yeah, like be, being in isolation and, and trying to maybe find new ways to collaborate and, you know, new new funding streams and this and that. I mean, I think the bigger, scarier thing is like, we're going to be heading into a recession or a Great Depression. And like, no matter what, you do need resources to make a movie. Um, I obviously like, you know, I'm living in New York City. I live at home. Um, I have family that can support me if I need them to. Um, so that's, that is a reality that I think a lot of people like you just don't have. And if you are working, you know, full-time jobs, it's, that's much, much harder. Um, I hope, I hope this is a reset in that way, but I also worry that it's, people are going to be way more careful with what they're funding and where they're putting their money towards because of, you know, the financial, uh, downfall that it's causing. So I think in the next year or two, it might not look that much better. I mean, I want to be optimistic, but I think, I think the trajectory is looking good, but I, I don't know that COVID is going to make it that much better do you think me I mean, I, I've already found it like it, it is really hard I've had I think crush has been very successful but even like getting the second thing made is like that's going to be even harder than getting the first one made um yeah has has uh has anything been lifted in New York yet or is it still on full lockdown it's still pretty full lockdown and honestly like if if they do lift they're they're going to do it in stages but I it's going to be, it's, it's scary. People aren't going to automatically go back to work. It's not. Yeah. Right. Um, what advice would you give to young people out there uh, who, who want to make a film? I think the two pieces are like, make sure whatever you're making is like, that's the thing that you need to say, you know, like there was, I think back on question, it's like, there was no way that I wasn't going to make that because I had, like, I literally, there was something inside of me that I was like, I have to make this. Um, and the other thing is just like, you know, find, find your collaborators. Um, I couldn't have done it without even the people who aren't filmmakers, like every single person I have almost ever had any friendship or relationship with in my life has helped crushed in some way. And that is very generous of them. And I, feel bad like i said you know i wrote this in 2016 and like anyone who knows me has been hearing about this for four years which i feel bad for them um but that's the reality and like yeah so you have to love it because it's going to take a long freaking time no matter what um and find the people who are going to help you make it and who will give you criticism yeah and be open to criticism how, how good does it feel to finally have it out there I mean, it's not quite out there yet, but it's, it's very, it's very surreal for me. Like the fact that I just, yeah, the fact that people will have written me or like anyone who's seen it and they're like, this was so relatable. And the idea that anyone has watched it or like that there are people who are watching it that I don't know that they're watching it is crazy to me. Yeah. Um, 
And, but I, you know, I think another thing that's interesting is that, you know, with everything that's happening, films are getting uh, a lot more digital releases than, than in cinemas. But in a way, do you find that that makes it more accessible to people? Uh, because people are at home or? Yeah, because, you know, rather than going to the theater, they can just, you know, go to Netflix or Hulu or whatever, whatever service has, re has released your film and, you know, they can pay $12 a month rather than 20, $25 at the cinema. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope so. I think it's funny because in a, in a lot of ways, obviously like the number now there are like 500 shows, TV shows in production compared to maybe it was like 50, like 20 years ago or something. I don't know. Um, so there's more opportunity for people, but also we can't like kid ourselves being like, Oh, the playing field is even because I don't have an advertising budget. I don't have, the, the hottest celebrity whatever my cast is amazing but you know we're all nobodies for the most part I mean I don't I, maybe I shouldn't say that but uh that's the truth um so uh it makes it more accessible and easy for people to get the movie and hopefully more cost effective but I think we're all still it's yeah there are still tears of where a movie is at I guess you, you shot the film in, in Ohio, because I obviously know that's, that's where you went to college. So w was it always going to be given that it was going to be set and shot there rather than New York? Yeah, I mean, it was really, I was, so I was working for, it was the summer after I graduated and I was working for my professors at the time, my cinema professors. Um, so that gave me like access to the school and it would have been way too complicated and expensive, I think, to do it in, in New York. It was really like we just I started setting it like it all came in like layers of just using what I knew I had at my disposal. Yeah. Do you you know, so now now that you've done this story, which is obviously based a lot on, on your experiences, do you think for your next film you'll you'll do another personal story or do you wanna, you know, maybe do like a drama or or a sci fi or a horror film? Have you thought have you thought about it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the I wrote I wrote a second feature that I've I did a few edits on it and I still it all comes from personal places like anything I write and then I have another pilot that I wrote that's half animated half um, live action so it's it has like fantasy elements I guess or surreal elements um, but it's always rooted in something that I'm you know feeling or dealing with at the time. How much of your yourself do you think comes out in, in any character that you write? It, uh, I think there's always there's always pieces of me in it, but I I don't know that I ever like strictly write myself. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I get it. Well. Uh, the film is crushed. I loved it. Uh, I thought it was super relatable, um, <laughs> super witty, super funny. Um, God, about 25 minutes left, I would say, uh, in it. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go finish that right now after we, after we get out of, uh, Zoom here. Uh, oh. yeah, Emily Cohn, thanks so much. Thank you. That was my conversation with Emily Cohn. Her great debut film, 
crushed is being released digitally on May the 8th, uh, which if you're listening to this as soon as it goes up is tomorrow, um, but by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already out digitally. So look for Crush, and Crush is spelled C-R-S-H-D, so no vowels in Crushed. That's C-R-S-H-D. It's a great film. You really all should check it out, uh, especially if you lived the college experience. It's brilliant. It's hilarious. It's funny. That does it for me today. Monday, I'm super excited about, we'll have, all the way from Paris, the world's foremost bread historian and bread expert, Stephen Kaplan. And we'll talk about why everyone is making bread during a pandemic. And then Thursday, you'll hear from filmmaker Joey Klein, as well as a short interview with documentary filmmaker and former actor Sasha Muellinger on his powerful documentary, Rewind. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye for now. Artists like to have a lot of sex.